Welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast, the show by fans or fans of your Milwaukee Brewers. All right, Brewer fans, welcome back to the Brew Crew Review Podcast. Joining me today, this is Craig. We've got Scott and Vince on the line. How are you fellas doing? Doing great. How are you, Craig? How are you, Scotty? Up, doing Chad? well. The Brewers is wrapped up. I don't think Chad can make this one. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to step up to the plate ourselves. Um, Boy, I our roster too is a little bit thin. You know, the Brewers have yeah. you know they have the occasional injuries, and sometimes we have to go with just three hosts. Hour and through. Back, All right. Back in the enough. back in the two thousands, we used to have a quite a bit more depth with with uh, Junebug and Brandon and even little Rhino on location. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Little Peanut too. Yep. Dave Tolson. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> so, but anyway, we're lacking up here, but uh, we're going to hopefully bring a big, a good show. Uh, so the Brewers just wrapped up a, a big uh, 12 game uh, road trip and now they're back home um, this for this weekend against the Padres. So um, yeah, hopefully you guys can get out, enjoy the beautiful weather and the parking mm-hmm. lots and bring home some Brewer victories. So all right, um, so let's just get right into it. We've got um, Rapid Nine for you guys, stepping up to the plate, as we like to call it. Um, All so right. Let's go with the first inning. And, uh, again, this can be rapid uh, as much as possible, um, Scott. Yeah, but, Scott take, Scott, take your time, though, because everyone does like to hear you kind of explain yourself and really expound on the answers a bit. <clears throat> That's true, because I feel like sometimes some of the answers, if you don't explain them, they can get misconstrued a little. Yeah. And, you know, I don't no. I don't want that. No, I, I know that normally you're you're kind of a pillar of brevity, but I think in this case, it's okay to explain yourself a little bit more, you know, so go ahead. All right. We'll, we'll keep it yeah, tricky. First one's going to be a little tricky. Who wants to lead off? You got to call it, Craig. Right off the bat. All right. Well, Scott. Right off the bat. Okay. All right. So, obviously, the Brewers back end of the book is phenomenal. The best in baseball. Hater and Devin Williams. Uh, let's say you're managing the Milwaukee Brewers, and neither of those pitchers are available, and you've got to lengthen the bullpen here for a game, a, a tight game. Which, besides those, rank the Brewers' three relievers in order besides Williams and Hare that you trust the most to bring in in tight situations. Uh, let's have the first one you mentioned, the one you trust, the third one. One through three with the, the, the reliever you trust the most on the top. Who we trust are you going most? to Scotty? Yeah, yeah. we're lead off here. You are, I Scott. Go for it. Oh. Okay. Um, do they have to be on the team right now? Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. So no Brett Anderson. Um, he's ruled out. We haven't signed him yet. Um, we will eventually. <laughs> no, we'll see. For sure. Um, oh, yeah. Let's see. In the bullpen. Um, I mean, I guess Boxberger has got to be one of the three. Right. If you could please rank them and order um, thing, if I don't, that'd be great. Hmm. I don't know. Let's see here. 
you got to think about boy, that bullpen is thin. Um, I mean, without those two, I'm saying <laughs> yeah. it's a little bit rough. Um, <clears throat> okay. So I definitely have Boxford. I got to pick um, Trevor Gott. He has really been a surprise this year mm-hmm. and he's been uh, doing very, very well. And I'm shocked to even say this one, but so far he's been great. Um, Luis Perdomo has been very good. I can't believe I'm saying this, but you're right. I, I don't, honestly, there isn't anybody I trust after those two. But um, Perdomo, I got to pick three, so I'm taking Perdomo. Nice pick, Scotty. Uh, except Perdomo's on the DL. I'm going to go. I'm going to agree with you on the first two, though. I'm going to say Boxberger for sure. Got has been amazing this year. What a what a signing so far from from the Brewers. Um, huge fan of Got. And then uh, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Hobie Hobie Milner in the third spot I think he's been oh. fine I actually I, in other years I would have gone with Brett Suter but he really has not been as consistent this season unfortunately I, I think he'll get there hopefully but um, I'm going to go with Hobie in my third spot alright just to be different I'll go with Trevor Gott as my most trusted and then Boxberger second and I'll go with the Raptor third, Brent Suter. I mean, he just doesn't, he seems a little bit have uneven performances. I guess I'll be nice and just call it that. But I want a left-hander as one of my three, and uh, I, I trust him more than Hobie Milner. Sorry. I'm, I might just have some untrust issues, some trust issues with the guy's name, Hobie. I'm not sure. In my future life. I think you've got a lot of, a lot of trust issues. Yeah, generally. But yeah. Very possible, yeah. Hobie is slowly uh, earning some of those um, higher leverage innings, though. Um, he used to just be like strictly like kind of garbage time, and now like he's really he's really shown that at least so far anyway that uh, he can be trusted. So good for him. Ho- Hobie's got a yeah. Hobie's got a three point oh six ERA according to your interns yeah this uh, this season. Pretty impressive. Yeah, uh, numbers pretty on the on the year. Yeah, seriously. He's looking good out there. I'm, I'm a fan. He so far has appeared in 19 games, uh, which which is pretty impressive. So, anyways, yeah. And then uh, Suter is sitting at a what's he doing this year? 5.63 ERA right now for Suter in uh, 14 games. Well, with that being said, I still yep. the third most, which says something about the the other end of the Brewers bullpen. Yep. <laughs> Okay, second inning, guys. Um, Keston Hira. Now, as of today, um, actually, William Adams will be back in the Brewers lineup. So the decision is still coming down on Hira. But uh, if you're managing the Brewers roster, Vince, you can leave this one off. Do you keep Keston? Mm-hmm. Now, this is assuming Keston does not have any everyday at bats in the Milwaukee Brewers lineup going forward. And I think with full health, that's obviously true. So Going forward, if you're managing the Milwaukee Brewers, do you keep Keston Hira on the Brewers' Wi-Fi man roster as a bench bat, or do you send them back to AAA for every day at bats? Absolutely, keep him on the bench uh, rather than send him to AAA. I think that he, you know, what else is he going to prove in, in the minor leagues at this point? <laughs> this is his uh, fourth season in Milwaukee. I think that um, he has a 
a good amount of value coming off the bench as well. Um, so, yeah, I would absolutely keep him in the big leagues. Um, he's got a hot bat right now, too. I mean, um, you know, obviously he had the walk-off homer a couple of weeks ago, but he's also had um, a few homers that are, you know, maybe not as important as that walk-off one, obviously. But, um, yeah, I, the minute the minute you, know, you process up, I'm like, well, I'm sure Vince is going to say, what more does he have to prove in AAA? And, of course, that's true. Like, he... <laughs> every me. time he goes down to play he's been mashing lately um at the same time it's like we've like, been it's like we've been friends since 2001 and you know me Scott it's crazy sorry yeah who knew but um yeah I I'd rather like to see him up there just because I think that when you when you shuttle somebody down no matter what it is no matter how good you're doing like it has to take especially at a younger player like it has to take its toll mentally a little bit. Like it's at the end of the day, even if it's not, um, even if it's through no fault of your own, going to AAA is a demotion. I like, that's what it feels like. It hurts. I mean, it's not the same as the big league experience, not even close. And I, I'd like to see him be a part of the team anyway up here. It's just that it's going to be harder because without getting regular or fast, um, you know, that's his hitting might suffer, but I'd still prefer it. Well, don't, don't forget that on a very real level for these guys, you, you're talking about a pretty massive, like, difference in lifestyle and, and pay for some of these guys, you know, so it's, it is a big deal, yeah. like, on a very personal level. So, well, yeah, absolutely. Like, the difference between single A and double A is not very much. The difference between triple A and the majors is a chasm. Well, yeah, obviously when you're talking about pay and experience, that's definitely true. But I guess my answer is going to be kind of a hybrid because I'm fine. I think that he makes the Brewers better by coming off the bench, but I don't know that that, and again, what you're saying is like, it's not like we have to be worried as an organization about his like stunting his development at this stage. He is what he is. However, I do think because of his struggles over the last two plus seasons, um, getting every day at bats is kind of important. I mean, I really think that, um, so basically my answer is going to be a little bit of a cop up where I, I currently want him to stay on the Brewers bench, but if he, he shows signs of like really overall, every time with his at-bats, I'm completely fine still shuttling him back to AAA so that he can't get back in a groove because I think he needs to be in a groove. And, and the, the last time I went down AAA, he, he only stayed there for 10 days in Nashville. And I think he had five bombs or whatever. So obviously he earned his way back up and it showed that he wasn't a groove and that paid off right away for the Brewers. So if he continues to have success off the bench, I'm fine with him there. But if, if I deem as, as a front office, the Brewers that he would actually benefit, uh, you know, from getting out of a hitting funk from the bench, even I'm fine with sending him to triple A, even if it is for a couple of weeks or whatever. Uh, so again, I don't think he's earned necessarily earned a, a sol- like a solid everyday spot. Or I mean, everyday bench spot even for the brewers uh but he has at least for now in my opinion so i guess that's my kind of cop-out answer all right third inning i I just want to say really quick on hero though it's not like he's hitting that poorly i mean when he's gotten his opportunities i think he's mostly taking advantage of them he's hitting 250 it's not great but it's not it's not like last season he's been hitting since spring training started this year and it seems like when he's used correctly in my opinion uh he's, he's hitting well and he's killed it uh, every time he's been in Nashville this season. So, you know, I just, 
I just want to say, I think that we should have a little bit more confidence in Hira. And, and I certainly think he brings value to the big league club, which again, to me at the end of the day is def- definitely the barometer that you use, not development, not pay, not anything else. It's, you know, who's going to most help uh, the big league teams, but that's just me. Yeah. And council, Console does do a great job of even getting our bench guys one or two starts a week. Um, so as long as that's happening, he's not strictly just the bench bat who's struggling. I think he'll be fine. I think he will stick with us. So we'll see. Um, all right. Third inning. Um, Scott, you're starting up. As of today, who would you call the best Brewers relief pitcher of all time? <clears throat> Hmm. Best brewer reliever all time. Um, so to me, it's just going to come down to like Hader versus Raleigh Fingers. And Hader still hopefully has more years with the Brewers besides this year. I, I certainly hope so. Fingers, obviously, he didn't have most of his career with the Brewers. But he was extremely valuable while he was with us as well. So if I if you say Brewer reliever though, I'm gonna say Josh Hader over Raleigh Fingers. But if you say like reliever that was on the Brewers, like and factor in their whole career, I think Raleigh Fingers still has it. So how's that for a complicated answer? Well what's your pick? Then? So you say you think well, I guess I had a cop-out answer. Like just, so I, I guess if we're saying, if we're looking at just stats while they were on the Brewers, then I think Hader is already the best Brewer reliever ever. Okay. Vince? Yeah, Josh Hader, I think at this point, has earned uh, the right to that title. Um, you know, you just look at the utter dominance that he's shown and if it was for one season i think you know we'd all still be impressed it's a it's it's an accomplishment to have you know a a dominant like josh hater at the back of your uh, bullpen but when i look at haters numbers and it's been going on since 2017 that he's been with milwaukee and you know he's had eras of 2.08 2.43 2.62 1.23 and a 0.00 so far uh this season uh to me and and even the one year I didn't mention, 2020 had a 3.79 ERA and a weird season and still led the National League and saved. To me, there's been no more dominant Brewers really in team history. So Josh Hader is my answer. My number two is actually Dan Prefack. And then my number three is uh, Raleigh Fingers. Sack man. Yeah. Um, before I do my answer, one real quick question. Um, and this is for your intern, Scott, or, or maybe Vince, even though I don't know. If oh, you- great. I'm not sure if you were born yet, Vince, but I was just going to quick throw out there. I guess you're a resident brewer historian, Vince. I'll call you that. Um, 1981, just to clarify, that was the first time the Brewers as a franchise ever made the playoffs, correct? Yep, definitely. Yeah, anyone. So, I mean, if you look at Raleigh Fingers, he's a Hall of Fame pitcher. And again, this is toward toward the end of his career. Very valuable Hall of Fame pitcher, probably one of the best closers of all time, especially for his era. He was named the MVP of the league and the Stang Award winner as a relief pitcher, as a closer. Yeah. Yeah. During the first season that the Brewers ever made the playoffs as a franchise. So that's pretty amazing and pretty hard to top. Yep. 
with that being said, yep. I actually say I agree with you guys that I, Josh Hader's utter dominance this season alone has finally pushed him past Raleigh Fingers to that to this title, in my opinion. I mean, I think it was very close yeah. in this season in my mind, but I think he's finally eclipsed Raleigh Fingers as the best player to ever, the best reliever to ever put on a Brewer uniform. I'll just I'll leave it at that. So. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, Fingers, Fingers only had four seasons where he actually played for Milwaukee. So that, to me, is, is one of the deciding factors. And, and one of those four seasons was his last year, 1985. And um, he had an ERA over five that year, if I'm not mistaken. And, and uh, uh, we, can, we can ask your intern, Scott, or our um, anonymous source, Tom Carter, to verify. But it, it was, you know, basically three good seasons, two of which were incredibly dominant for Fingers in 81 and um, 84. But Still, uh, Fingers obviously has a special place in Brewers team history, but yeah, I got to go with Josh Hader at this point. I wonder, is this um, a little bit of foreshadowing? Or are you saying that it's very possible that um, Josh Hader could wind up being the Cy Young candidate for the Brewers this year as well? We should throw him in the mix for that? Yeah. Or even MVP for that matter? MVP might be a stretch. I, I think that you know, again, it's only, we're still in the month of May. We're not there yet, but I do think that Josh Hader, if he is continuing to put up the type of season that he's putting up right now, uh, will have to be in that top couple pitcher pitchers, in the national league conversation for the Cy Young. No question about it. That's an interesting. Well, and I guess we should probably point out um, just for fun, if I can do a, a little bit of quick math here, um, so, um, if we just looked at, um, uh, Craig's favorite stat, um, Raleigh Fingers war with his four seasons here was only, um, a little under eight and obviously, mm-hmm. um, five plus seasons, but you know, 2020, does that count? I mean, that's not much. Um, it is already at 11.7 war. So obviously, um, he spent more time with the Brewers, but I think that's where we were kind of headed to with that answer anyway, is that, uh, you know, Raleigh Fingers obviously had, has proven the test of time and he had a long, illustrious career, but uh, not much of it was with the Brewers. But while he was here, he was great. Yep. Scott, I don't know if you can do Yeah, I, I, I agree, Scotty. But I don't know if you can do us a favor, though, and, and go ahead and fire the interns that fired up that uh... – Go ahead and dug up those war numbers. Um, but we've oh, told that right. we hired we, when we hired the interns, we told them that that wasn't something that they could go to. It's kind of like a cop out. But anyway, um, yeah. So we will have to get <laughs> our, our next podcast. We'll have a couple of fresh interns. That's okay. Uh, so if you'd like to apply, um, females or males, I guess if you'd like, hey, I'd send send in. No, no. But we're still gonna have our anonymous source, Tom Carter. Right? We're not firing him. I don't think. Oh no! I mean, he gets he's he's. I mean, just like a broken clock, it's right a couple times a day. So I mean, no, definitely Tom Carter. He's he's not going anywhere. Um, but, uh, but as far as like the award thing, I, I it's just weird how like even over the t- the course of baseball history, the way that awards are voted on, vote, voted on completely changes. And I just don't think that I think so, yeah, Josh Hader will get Cy Young award votes, but there I think he has almost zero percent chance of winning it because of how people vote now i think that they feel like they have their Fear. own work and, and that they don't just get give votes to, to closers anymore as, as dominant as they could possibly be 
And you to can- your point, uh, Craig. To your point, Craig. He's never finished. He's had. He's only gotten votes that put him in the top ten for the Cy Young Award one time. In, in 2018, he finished seventh. Yeah. That's it. So I think he might finish in the top ten this year because he's basically having the most dominant uh, season as a reliever in the history of Major League Baseball to this point. And we're only two months into the season, but I mean, that's still, yeah, yeah. I still think he has zero. He has way, he's like a less than zero chance of being MVP of league. And, and I'd say close to zero to 5% of winning the signing award, unfortunately, just because of how people vote, not that he doesn't deserve either of those awards, but all right. Fourth inning. Well, uh, believe it or not too, just one more real quick tidbit i suppose um i've always bragged about how raleigh fingers is so valuable because he could get those multi-inning saves to you like cater did at you know at the early point of his career i guess but even having said that i mean right now i think cater's probably on pace for about 50 60 innings something like that this year um and in that 1981 season where raleigh fingers um did win the MVP like that he only threw 78 innings so uh, not not a heck of a lot more like I, I guess I always picture Raleigh Fingers multi-inning season like hey, he probably threw about 120 innings like that's not the case <laughs> so he did he did a lot of seasons in, in, in Oakland yeah and he did a lot of right, right. seasons in Oakland prior to that so he did he definitely had that reputation yeah. and uh, a lot of baseball historians definitely talk about fingers in that regard yeah, in my opinion, 78 innings is still a lot of innings for a reliever or, or a decent amount. Um, so, all right, fourth inning. All right, so with Hunter, let's just say Hunter Renfro's injury gets extended longer than the Brewers had thought. Um, if you're a Brewers front office, uh, let's see, whose turn is the leadoff? Vince, I think. Which, who do you want on the 25-man roster? Um, Mark Math- Mathias, David Dahl. Or someone else for all field up. I mean, I love Matthias. I think he profiles kind of similarly. I know he, I know some of his splits are different, but in terms of the positions that he plays and his versatility to, to Brousseau. So I, I don't know. I guess I'd give Dahl a shot at some point just to try to replace some of that power. Um, I don't know. I still kind of like what's his face, uh, Singleton, too. I think he could be interesting in terms of uh, power and Rentro's certainly exhibited some, some decent power since, you know, the first week of the season. So I, I, I might go with um, Singleton. All right. Um, terrible. I don't know. I, I'd kind of like to go with David Dahl just to see what we have in him. I'd like to see him kind of get a little bit of a, a shot and see what happens. I don't know. I think he certainly has potential. I, but I just, I don't know. He's, he's definitely a big question mark because he's had, you know, he, he was at one point like a proven major league commodity and then he kind of fell off a cliff and um, here we are. So I kind of want to see what he, what he can show. Um, yeah. That's my pick. I will also pick David Dahl. Um, I, I feel that he's young. He's right in his baseball prime. I think he's 27 or 28, and he's hitting well at AAA, and I, I think he could add something to this major league club immediately. Um, all right, uh, fifth inning. Similar type question. Obviously, Aaron Ashby with Peralta on the IL was 
our de facto now, which makes Ethan Small kind of probably six in our organization for starting pitching depth. For our seventh starting pitching, healthy starting pitcher depth, do you feel that as a Brewers organization, you would want that seventh starter to be Josh Lindblom, Brett Anderson, or someone else? Lindblom, by the way, is it is it is in our organization still? Brett Anderson sitting at home. Oh, yeah. Someone else could be anyone. The fact that you have to point that out tells me that I don't want him as the seventh starter. By the way, he's still with the organization. Brett Anderson is not, but I would prefer him actually still, just because um, I think uh, I don't know what I. Unfortunately, what we saw of Josh Limum um, is part of the reason why we're questioning if he's even in the organization right now. Like, he just didn't have it. I was really excited about the signing at the time, too. Like, obviously, like last week, we faced uh, Mike Nicholas, and I thought, um, here's a guy that the Cardinals just grabbed, and all of a sudden, he turned into a great pitcher. And I thought, like, we were going to do the same thing going overseas and grabbing Lindblom, but it didn't happen. So... I'm okay with Brad Anderson, though, as a seventh or eighth starter. Vince? Uh, yeah, why not? Uh, I like Anderson. To be honest, this role is um, the Brewers seem to have a knack for picking up guys that uh, I know Craig really likes, guys I hadn't thought a ton about, but Anderson and Wade Miley are, are two good options, I think. Theo um, Gonzalez. Um, yeah, well, Gio, bring him sure. back for uh, a fourth time. He wasn't retired. Yeah, um, yeah. Jordan Lyles is probably my pick. I'll go with Jordan Lyles. Yeah, I'm gonna say someone without naming anyone specific. Someone else who's not currently in the organization, because besides Ethan Small down on the minors, there's no one at Triple or Double A starting pitching wise that I think would be ready to contribute to a contending team at all, and so. And then includes Josh Lindblom. So I would have, if not Brett Anderson, someone else. And even though I, I do have my affinity for Brett Anderson in certain times, um, I would say someone else um, that's uh, currently possibly available, um, either via trade or someone, you know, who's still free agent or something. But uh, it, preferably someone with some Major League Baseball experience, uh, since we do have small without experience, probably, you know, getting some as our kind of sixth option. I'd like the seventh option to be a, somewhat of a veteran um, coming in from another team, or at least a younger player with some more ex major league baseball experience. So we shall see what actually, how this plays out. So, um, all right. Uh, that moves on to the sixth inning. This is kind of taking it. Um, Christian Yelich so far, I know we talked about our last podcast, but uh just using these three words or three phrases so far, Christian Yelch's 2022 season, is it either a, exceeding your expectations, B meeting your expectations or C not meeting your expectations to this point? Yeah. Not meeting expectations yet. I mean, I, I love some of the big moments that he still provides. I love the leadership. I think his attitude is fine. All that stuff is there, but um, you know, you're, you're paying him to be the guy. You're paying him. I understand maybe not ever going to be the National League MVP again, but you're paying him like one. And I think that there's something that, um, you know, we need to we need to be 
kind of holding Yelich to that standard. So I, again, it's not through a lack of effort. It's not, it's not about not liking Christian Yelich, but I'm still a little disappointed about where he's at. And it could still come too. So, uh, you know, I, I don't give up hope for somebody like Christian Yelich. The talent is there, but um, um, yeah, that's my answer. Okay. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, um, when you pay someone more than you've paid anyone in the history of your organization, um, you have to hope that they at least come close to meeting that value. And um, well, maybe we got all that value. Maybe that was all in the front end in those two like uh, MVP and his other MVP year that didn't result in an MVP. Um, but yeah, right now I, I just, um, I don't know. It seems like he's, um, this all really stems from, I think, like the high strike getting called more and more and more because I just don't think those pitches up in the zone, especially fastballs, I just don't think he can get under them anymore. Like he seems to get on top of them and just drive them through the infield. And that's great, but um, it's not going to result in the kind of numbers that made him MVP in the past. So. Yeah, not meeting expectations. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with he's, he's meeting my expectations from what I, I, I had of him going into the season. I didn't think he'd be completely terrible like last year, whatever, but I also didn't think he'd be his MVP form. So he's kind of right on track with what I was expecting him. I still have hope that, that the rest of the season, you know, he'll, he'll do better. Um, but I guess – I'm going to go with he's meeting my personal expectations, what I thought. It's still disappointing as a fan, but I think he's he's at least on track to be a valuable player, but not a star, um, you know, within the, within our lineup. So, okay, seventh inning. All right, so a couple of teams, this is outside the Brewers now, a couple of teams are um, kind of have big off seasons or their arrows pointing up as organizations and so far have kind of been disappointing. Uh, both these teams are within about five or so games under 500 as of this um, podcast, but uh, which team with their arrow pointing up, do you th- still think has a better chance of making the playoffs this season? Uh, the Philadelphia Phillies or the Seattle Mariners? Scott, I believe you're a lead Ooh. off. Um, I, boy. I am going to say, geez, okay. So just to, just to kind of look, okay. The Mariners are 20 and 27. Scott, again. The Phillies are 21 and 26. Um, that was as of the Phillies have some. I don't know. Both teams have some. The, the AL West is a tougher division, though. So, at the end of the day, I guess I'm just going to say the Phillies. Um, their division has kind of underachieved a little bit, mostly the Braves. But um, I just – I don't know how the Phillies are going to make the playoffs when they don't have anyone that can pitch. Like, they just don't have very much pitching at all. But um, maybe it'll be like – maybe the Phillies are the bizarro brewers and they're going to get there by way of the bat because they have a strong lineup. So, I guess I'll say Phillies. I do have Zach Wheeler. Um, yeah. yeah, after that, I guess a little. Can I say neither team makes the playoffs? 
I don't think that either one are like I I I really never bought into the Mariners hype last season. Um, yeah, I don't I don't think either. Well, yeah. So so I mean I don't think that either one. But the question is, who would be more likely at this point in your opinion? Philadelphia. 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 Yeah. Yeah, I'm also going to go with Philadelphia. I mean, the Mariners, I had high hopes going into the season. Um, and they're, well, first of all, their young players are just steaming not to be ready. I mean, they've already sent, unfortunately, Walker West's own uh, Jared Kelnick back to the Meyer Leagues. Um, Julio Rodriguez yeah. doing bases, but doing little, little else. And I, I think they expected a lot from him right out of the gate. And um, it's, their pitching is not there. It's too, too Brash is so. back in the minor. Yep. And, and so, so really, I think the Phillies are better suited to still have an opportunity and also in a division where there's still some question marks. Obviously, the Mets have been doing great, but uh, I think that they could give the Braves a run for the second best team in that division, which would put them in line for a possible wild card. But uh, mostly because of their hitting, like you said, Scott, uh, their pitching outside of Wheeler is not, not exceptional. But, I mean, they do have Knable, former Brewer closer, Knable at the back of their bullpen. So I, I think they still have a decent chance. They just need to get hot. Um, so, all right. Um, let's move on to the eighth inning. And Vince leading this off. This one off. Uh, your favorite non-Brewers announcer currently? Oh, currently? Or historically? Well, well, no, I guess it. Well, just just fair numbers announcer it doesn't have to be current or non currently whatever. My favorite underrated announcer. I mean, Vince Scully is an obvious choice, but um, historically, I was going to go with Ernie Harwell, uh, former Tigers announcer. I just love listening to Ernie Harwell and thinking yeah. he's a great, great baseball man uh, generally, and just love that guy. Um, I had a yeah. to meet him as a kid, and he was just a real gentleman. Um, uh, as current announcer for another team, a non-Brewers announcer, I'm going to go with Pat Hughes with the Chicago Cubs. Um, I know he's a former Brewers announcer, but um, I, I've always liked Pat Hughes, probably just because the age that I grew up in and, um, you know, just have always enjoyed his, his, his cadence. So, yeah, I'll go with, uh, I'll go with Pat Hughes. Uh, and that's a, that's a really good pick. I really enjoy Pat Hughes. Like, Pat Pat Hughes, um, Bob Uther and Pat Hughes, man, that's what you grew up with. It was pretty great. Yep. Um, that was the combo. I'm going to pick, yeah. <laughs> pick a different uh, former Burr um, announcer, uh, this one, uh, television announcer, uh, Matt Discursion. Um, yes. He found a way to make um, some of those poor Brewer seasons still very entertaining. And um, Charlie, Willie, Mays, hey, are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, his home run call wasn't great. Santa Maria. <laughs> Santa Maria. I don't know. No. It kind of, it kind of <laughs> reminds me of like a, like a Will Ferrell home run call or something like that. Yeah. But um, yeah. yeah, it's, um, I still love the guy. I still remember a time when um, they were doing a television pod uh, broadcast and I guess he, he did something. I think we were playing the White Sox or something like that, and he just completely shattered the head off of a White Sox bobblehead on the air. And I was—I remember being very surprised by that and thinking, I don't think we're supposed to do that. Um, but, you know, Matt Scurgeon was young and wild, and now he's kind of settled down a little bit and settled into his role, but uh, still, still an entertaining guy. Calls a good game. Yep. I loved him, too. You guys have great picks. Obviously, 
I've probably mentioned this before in the Brewer review, but I mean, I, I used to fall asleep every night uh, with a, and again, this will date me, but a, a, alar- um, a radio alarm clock next to my, I guess my nightstand or whatever you'd call it um, with Bob, uh, Bob Uecker and Pat Hughes um, calling, you know, Rob Deere home runs and whatnot uh, back in the middle. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, the, Pat Hughes is my pick too, at least from the radio end. I know he's a Cubs announcer, but I mean, he's, he'll always be, have a special place in my heart. I, I just love listening to him. Um, and I guess just from the TV side of it, I'm actually going to pick Dwayne Kuyper, uh, the Giants announcer. Um, nice. I, I, phenomenal job. It's a good pick. The Giants have had some great announcers over the years. John Miller, uh, Hall of Famer, uh, Ford Frick Award winner. He, he's a great announcer as well. I've, I've enjoyed listening to him. Uh, starting on Sunday Night Baseball back in the day, if you, if you guys remember on ESPN, um, when he teamed up with Joe Morgan, but I know he's been the home announcer for the Giants uh, for a while as well. All right. Great picks. All right. Ninth inning. Let's wrap this thing up. Keep it uh, nine innings here. So, all right. Recently, Major League MLB.com did a cool piece on uh, the underground competition. When players go into Philadelphia, they have a cheesesteak eating competition throughout Major League Baseball. And it was <laughs> the Brewers had the record holder of bullpen catcher Marcus Hanel had eaten 18 and a half cheesesteaks during a home, uh, one of the road trips in Philly recently, I believe, uh, within the last couple of years. However, it was recently broken. I think the new the new leader is like 22 cheesesteaks. But um, just for the Brewer record, still owned by Marcus Hanel, 18 and a half cheesesteaks. The next thing question is, what's more impressive, um, eating 18 and a half cheesesteaks during a three-game home, three-game period of time, or eating 45 Chick-fil-A nuggets all within uh, one hour, one sitting? What's more impressive? Scott's no, Scott's obvious. No, Scott is always more impressive. That nugget record was pretty, pretty incredible. I know he's talked about, oh, I'm done with my competitive eating. I can't do it anymore. I, I think that's just a cop out. It's sort of like, sort of like, uh, you know, he, he, he's trying to pull it over on everybody. I think he's just kind of suckering people in until they bet against him, and then Scott's going to come back and, and do it again someday. But yeah, he's definitely more impressive. Uh, I think 18 and a half cheesesteaks is remarkably impressive, especially if you're talking about over a one weekend span, because I'm one of those people that like, I eat the food and by the end of that meal, I'm like, I don't want to eat that again for like another, like if I eat pizza one night or something like that, I think, ah, I don't want to eat pizza again tomorrow or, you know, the next day. But like, if you dedicate a whole weekend to eating one food, that's impressive. So that's where I'm going to go. Yeah, no. Scott, what are you eating for dinner? Scott, what are you going to eat for dinner tonight? Um, probably pizza and then leftover pizza tomorrow and then leftover pizza the next day. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know. I don't really have a plan right now. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go with, uh, well, I'm going to go with the 45 nugget record, which is, uh, set by Scott Bartell as a member of the Brooker Review, I believe in the 2007 season in Nashville, Tennessee. I don't think that's going to be top. Definitely not by the Brooker Review. I thought maybe Chad Collins had a chance to break it at one point, but I really think that that's not, it's not even possible. 
but with with that and i don't think any any competing podcasters uh, will ever beat this either but and, and but if you would have told me that marcus handle ate 18 and a half cheesesteaks all in one sitting i would actually it would be a tough call i would almost think that would probably be more impressive than the 45 nuggets but since it was over a three-day period of time i that's only six so if you're telling me in one sitting six cheesesteaks versus 45 nuggets definitely i'm still going with the 45 nuggets so Scott Bartell still gets the kudos on this one. That's what I say. That's my answer. The way I would put it, though, is if yeah. if you put a 50-nugget platter in front of and, – and let's face it, Chick-fil-A nuggets are not exactly the biggest chicken nuggets in the world. You put a 50-count chicken nugget in front of Marcus Hanel, and he's going to crush it. Simple as that. I mean, if he can if he can wolf down that many cheesesteaks, I think he's going to crush uh, a forty five nugget record fairly easily. Just out of curiosity, Scott, and I, I know this our listeners will be very interested in this, but at about what number nugget did you did your body start to send your brain signals about like okay, it's time to slow down or possibly stop eating the nuggets? Was it sometimes was it in the, the upper twenties, lower thirties, or was it not until you hit forty? Do you remember that? I know it was a long time ago, but. Uh, I think you just kind of hit the wall, unfortunately. Like, no, I think it's right around, probably around nugget 40, where you're just like, oh, okay. And then you just realize that it's not worth it at some point. But, like, I, I'm definitely one of those people, too, that, like, you eat and then you don't realize you're full until, like, 20 minutes after you stop eating and then you're too full. So, like, you kind of just have to, when it comes to, like, that, you just eat really, really fast before your stomach sends those signals that like, Hey, all right, we got it. We're good. No more. Thanks. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But the real question is, is when are you, when are you going to go back? I mean, we need to go together. I think maybe on our trip this year, you can try to do it again. Mm, I don't think there's any, I, at this point, I don't even think like when you picture like those big steak challenges and things like that, I, I'd, I'd rather just have like a, a nice sirloin or filet or something like that and just enjoy life instead. But that's with that just, being you know, said, that's where well, I am in my life right now. <laughs> we haven't decided on where our baseball road trip will be this year, the Brookerview baseball road trip or an annual thing. But Robert is going to be ahead of time. I'm going to call a Chick fil A to make sure that they have 50 nugget platters. I'm gonna have that ready, order and will and ready to go, just in case um, you're, you're you're willing to give it a shot, Scott. So let's let's hope for the best. I am not. <laughs> so all right. Well, even if you brought Penny along and you snuck her a couple of nuggets under the table, just so you can get get over the finish line, I would still like for you to <laughs> shoot for fifty. That'd be great. All right. Well, it has to be legit, for sure. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Tag team it. Brooker of you fans. And um, remember, uh, let's keep this winning, the Brewers winning ways going. And uh, hopefully, it's been in next time. Remember to stay classy, Marcus Hanel, and go Brewers. Go Brewers, guys. Do 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 do